Hello and welcome to the Renovation Church Podcast, where our vision is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. My name is Mason Smith, and I'm the creative director here at Renovation Church. We are so thankful that you're joining this podcast today. We hope that today's message inspires you and draws you closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning and welcome to Renovation Church at home. My name is Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here at Renovation Church, and I'm so honored that you've chosen to tune in with us this morning to do church at home. If you're with us on Facebook, then really the best thing you could do is just comment and and interact and, and get involved and engaged with the service and the sermon today. And also let us know where you're tuning in from. We love to see where people are tuning in from all over the world. If you're with us on our website, then right under this video is a lot of great ways that you can interact. And with us as a church, you can fill out an online connection card or a spot for online prayer requests. And we would love to get in touch with you and walk with you on your journey with Christ. Also, if you're on our website, if you go to our homepage at renovatethecity.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, we are putting out devotionals this week. And so we'd love for you to subscribe to our newsletter. And Monday through Friday, we're going to drop a devotion in your inbox that goes along with the message that you're going to hear today. And it just helps us to all kind of walk together during this season and grow closer on our relationship with Christ. And it also gives you some really practical and tangible ways that you can live out your faith in today world. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in a two-week series called Do Something Now, where we are looking at Matthew chapter 5 in two things that Jesus told us to do while he was preaching the greatest sermon that has ever been preached called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I've called this series Do Something Now because for many of us, we will exit this season the way that we came into it or possibly even worse off. But what I want you to see during this is we have more opportunities to look like Jesus and act like Jesus than we've had in a long time. So I don't want to abuse this time. I want to use this time and I want you to use it. And I want the church to use it to rise up, to do something now to make an impact on this world that is looking for the hope that can only be found in Jesus, but it just doesn't know it yet. Last week, we started off in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And here's what Jesus said. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. In that message, I said that God won't do a work through us until he does a work in us. And my prayer for you all week long has been that Jesus would be working in your heart and Jesus has been working on your mind to help you be an agent for change in this world for the kingdom of God. So this morning for part two of the message series, I'm gonna look at Matthew chapter five, verses 14 to 16. Last week, Jesus said that we are to be the salt of the earth. And this week, Jesus tells us to be the light of the world. Here's what Jesus says in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket, but instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. 
And Jesus was preaching this to a crowd in the first century. So while you might not understand today why anybody would light a candle and put it under a basket, everybody that Jesus was preaching to at that time, they would have known what that meant. Because in a Palestinian home, they all had one window. And at the end of the day, they'd have to light their candles so that they could see because they didn't have 27 light switches like most houses have now, most of which are always on all the time, especially if you have kids because they don't understand that light switches have an off position. But So they would light their candle and that would give light to everyone in the house so they could see and go about their evening activities like cooking dinner or getting ready for bed or whatever they might be doing. And so they'd light their candles so they could see, but if they would ever leave their house, they would take a bowl that had a hole in the bottom of it, and they would turn it upside down, and they would put it over the candle to protect it from blowing out by the wind, but the hole that it had in it would provide enough oxygen so that the light would keep on burning. It's also important to know that Jesus preached this message by the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you were to go out on the Sea of Galilee at night, you could look out and you could see all the cities on all the hills that were around the seas in the middle of this dark body of water. So what Jesus is saying is that it's to your benefit that the light shines brightly and it's to other people's benefit that the light shines brightly because when you shine the light, it illuminates the darkness. Now, a candle that's burning during the day won't make much of a difference. If you go out at noon tomorrow and you light a candle, it won't have a whole lot of an impact. But if you light that same candle at midnight tonight, it's going to have a huge impact on lighting up the darkness. So Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Together, we are the light of the world. And listen, the time has come for us to do something now and live our lives as if other people's lives depend on it because they do. This is so important because when the people of God shine with the light of God, then our mission for God will turn into a movement for God. When the people of God shine with the light of God, then our mission for God will turn into a movement for God. This is bigger than just St. Joseph. This is bigger than just Renovation Church or Kansas City. This is bigger than whatever community or state or country that you live in. I'm talking about a movement for God that has the potential to change the entire world. Because what we're facing right now, this pandemic that we are all in together, this may be actually the greatest opportunity that we will ever have in our lifetime to shine the light of Jesus like never before. The darker it becomes, the greater the light will shine. So let your light shine before men. Now, don't be mistaken. This message really isn't all about you. This message isn't all about us. It's not all about our specific church. It's not about what we can do. It's about what Jesus can do. This message is all about Jesus. And you are, and I am the light of the world, but he is the light that we carry. This message that we're talking about that has the potential to change the world, it's the message of Jesus. We shine so that those who are living in darkness won't see us, but we shine so that they will see Jesus, because as great as you might be and as special as you might be or talented as you might be, the reality is you can't save anyone. Salvation is in God's hands alone, but God is using us. 
And God is counting on us to do what we're supposed to do. This world is counting on the people of God doing the mission of God. This may be the greatest opportunity we will ever have in our lifetime to shine the light of Jesus like never before. And I know that right now we have a lot of different people for, that have a lot of different experiences with church or you're in different places in your walk with Jesus and a different place in that spiritual journey. And some of you are watching this morning, but you would say, well, I've, I've never actually made the decision to follow Jesus. Uh, I'm just watching right now to make my, my spouse happy or I'm, I'm watching because I'm bored and I don't have anything else to do, or I'm watching because I'm at the end of my rope and I've lost all hope. And this right here, right now, this is my last shot. But there are some of you who are watching who would say that you are a Christian and that you love the idea of being the light of the world and you agree with the idea of being the light of the world and you would say that somebody needs to go out and be the light of the world, but you actually aren't willing to go out and be the light of the world. Let me put it to you as plainly as I can because I'm gonna preach as if someone's life depends on this message because I believe that it does. This light that shines, this light that we represent is not meant to stay within the four walls of the church on a Sunday morning. I hate to break it to you, but if the only place you're following Jesus is while you're at church, then you're not following Jesus at all. Because Jesus said, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine before men. What he's saying is it's not about getting in your, your little small group of super Christians and, and, and shining for them to see or, or really just trying to outshine each other with how much you know. Well, I'm, I'm reading these five books and I can argue theology. I've memorized 175 verses of scripture and I can tell you what the Bible says in Greek about loving your neighbor. I don't actually do it because people are bad and the world is dangerous, but I can sure tell you about it. Now, I'm not saying don't have a great small group of brothers and sisters who can walk with you and pray with you and encourage you and sharpen you. You should have that. Every single one of us should have that. That's the power of community. But if your light doesn't occasionally go into the darkness, then your light is wasted. If your light doesn't occasionally go into the darkness, then your light's wasted. If you are, in fact, the light of the world, then you should go out into the world every now and then. Because Christian, your mission isn't just laying low and staying safe until you get to heaven. Your mission is to live dangerously for the sake of the gospel. It's to go to great lengths to see the lost find hope in Jesus, to go to dark places because that's where the light is needed the most. That's what Paul did. Paul went into cities and, and he preached messages to people that were openly against the name of Jesus. And he was beaten and stoned and whipped. And eventually he was killed because of it. Now today, there are many that would call that foolish. But in that day, that would be called faith. But what it shows us is that safety is not the highest value for the person of God. Salvation is. That's why we have to have a willingness to go into dark places because the dark places are where the light is needed the most. That's what Jesus did. Jesus spent time with some of the worst people that this world had to offer. Now today, you might not be the biggest fan of the IRS and taxes and all that, but in Jesus' day, it was even worse. Tax collectors were considered to be the worst of the worst. 
Because what a lot of tax collectors did was they worked for the Roman government, and essentially they were willing to take people's money and give it to Rome, but then they were willing to take a little bit of extra and just to put it into their pocket. So everybody in this day and in the time of Jesus, everybody hated tax collectors. There were sinners, and then there were murderers, and then like somewhere way down here, there were tax collectors. Now, one of the first disciples that Jesus called to follow him was a tax collector named Matthew. The kind of man that others spent their life avoiding was the kind of man that Jesus spent his life pursuing. And when Matthew made the decision to follow Jesus, he invited Jesus over to his house where he was going to have a dinner party, which sounds pretty harmless, but it really ruffled the feathers of a lot of the religious people. So here's what happens. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 10. It says, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Here we are, 2,000 years later, and the mission is still the same. Go into the darkness and shine the light of the gospel. Your mission today is the same mission that Jesus was on 2,000 years ago, to call people to repentance. And the world is waiting on you, And God is counting on you to do what Jesus is telling you to do. Shine. Let's go back to our main passage. Verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. But instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everybody that's in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see, so that everyone will see you and praise your heavenly Father, you have an incredible opportunity to be a light-bearing, hope-wielding agent for change in someone's life. In fact, let me give you some statistics I found this week just to show you the opportunity that this crisis can give you to do something right now. Of people that come to know Jesus, 17% of people have come to know Jesus because of a pastor. They were in church or watching online and they they heard a message and they decided to respond by giving their life to Jesus. 17% of people come to faith in Christ because of the message or sermons or the direct influence of a pastor. Beyond that, though, 1% of people become Christians because of an event or something that's going on that the church is doing that a group of Christians have organized. 1% of people would say, I gave my life to Jesus because of a church event. 4% of people would say, I gave my life to Jesus as a direct result of Sunday school or or a small group. They were able to to plug into a Bible study or something like that and would say, well, I gave my life to Jesus as a direct result of that. (laughs) The next one is fun. Uh, 0.25 to 0.50%, so a quarter to a half of a percent of people say that they gave their life to Jesus because of a crusade or street evangelism or because they were handed a gospel track on their table instead of a tip. And they would say, my life was so impacted by that gospel track instead of a tip that I decided to give my life to Jesus. But here's what's most important about these statistics. 
75 to 90% of people would say that they gave their life to Jesus as a direct result of a friend or a relative sharing the light of Jesus with them. In the article that I found this information in said, the great majority of people today trace their spiritual roots directly to a friend or a relative as the major reason they are now in Christ and a part of a local church. In other words, the people who are the most effective for the kingdom of God are the people who are willing to be what Jesus said to be, salt and light. 1 John 2, verse 26 says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And when you live your life as Jesus lived his life, then your life will change others' lives. That's why Jesus said in verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. C.S. Lewis once said, He said, don't shine so that others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see him. I accepted Christ when I was 19 years old. So all throughout middle school and in high school, I was not a Christian. In fact, I really didn't like Christians because in my mind, the Christians weren't having any fun and their mission in life was to convince me that my fun wasn't actually fun and that I needed to do what they were doing in order to have fun. So I just tried to stay as far away from the Christian kids as I possibly could. But throughout high school, I I couldn't deny that they had something that, I didn't have, but that I desperately wanted and I desperately needed. They had, they had joy. And even though they didn't know it, I watched them to find out why they were so happy and annoyingly optimistic all the time. And at first I thought, maybe they're just idiots, <laughs> honestly. Maybe they're just positive thinkers. Maybe they really are as crazy as everybody thinks they are. But over time, I saw them doing things that nobody else I knew was doing. They were the ones that at lunch, they were reading their Bibles and they actually talked about how to live out their faith and then they would go out and live out their faith. They were the ones that they prayed for their classmates and genuinely cared about what other people were going through. They would serve not just each other, but they served everybody that they came into contact with. It was just a group of people that were noticeably different from everybody else. And it reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 2 and how Peter tells us to live. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What I didn't know at that time is that this group of people was being the light of the world to me. By looking at them, I didn't know it yet, but I was seeing Jesus And a few years later, on January 15th of 2005, I surrendered my life to Christ. And right after that, I was in a community college class with one of those Christians in high school that I made fun of all the time. And I walked up to him before class started, and I said, hey, I want to let you know that I'm actually a Christian now. I I, I prayed, and and I surrendered my life to to Christ. And this dude just erupted with joy. And he gave me a hug and he said, Kyle, I have been praying for you for five years. Five years. I could not be more happy that you came up to this, me this morning and gave me this news because this is a five-year prayer that has just been answered. That is how you shine your light. 
My life is different because their lives were different. So I can tell you firsthand the importance of being the light of the world to others because someone is willing to be the light of the world to me. And that's why I don't believe that there's such thing as a private faith in Jesus. Your faith in Christ is meant to be lived out so that when others see you, they see Jesus through you. And they can't see Jesus in you if you put your life light under a basket. Last week when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, we learned that the only way for salt to lose its flavor is to be diluted with someone else. What Jesus was saying is that there's no such thing as deluded disciples. But when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, what he's saying is that there are also no hidden disciples. So there is no deluded disciples, and there's also no hidden disciples. This world needs for you to be a fully committed follower of Christ. This world doesn't need for you to to fit in and to blend in. This world needs for you to stand out. And the hard truth that some of you need to face today is that Jesus came to give his life for the people that you aren't even willing to talk to. Jesus gave his life for people that you don't give the time of day to, that you don't want to talk to, that you consider to be an enemy. But the problem is you have the wrong enemy. You're fighting the wrong battle. In Ephesians chapter six, Paul says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are not against the world. We are not against, we're against the enemy of the world. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle, this war that we're facing, is a spiritual battle. We are supposed to be waging war against Satan and his forces, but we are not supposed to be waging war against people who are made in the image of God but are not yet following God. Does that mean that you have to agree with everything that everyone believes? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But we don't have to agree with someone to love someone. Loving people and agreeing with people are not synonymous. You don't have to do one in order to do the other. Let me give you a word of caution. Don't love someone right into hell because you never told them about the hope that we have in Jesus. Don't love someone all the way into hell because you never told them about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Love them enough to be the salt and the light that they and the world desperately need because they are now, as you once were, living in darkness. Be in the world. Be in love with Jesus. That's how you shine your light. That's how you change a generation. And that's how you go on to change a world. When the people of God shine with the light of God, then our mission for God will turn into a movement for God. Are you ready to do something now? Are you ready to be a part of what God is doing in this world right now to say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be the salt of the earth. I want to be the light of the world. I want to represent Jesus with my life. If you're ready, then it's time for you to take the next step on your spiritual journey with God. For some of you, that might mean saying right now at this moment, You need to pray and you need to surrender your life to Jesus. 
It's, it's not complicated. It's not difficult, but it does involve full surrender. Right now, where you are, it doesn't matter who's around you. It doesn't matter if, if you're a dad and your kids are, are playing all around you or, or if you're a, a teenager and your friend is sitting next to you. Don't think about anybody else right now, but fix your eyes on Jesus because right now you can pray and you can say, Jesus, would you forgive me? I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've done things that are against God's word and God's will. So Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, would you save me? And Jesus, will you use me? And right now, the Bible says that if you pray that, God will hear you and he will save you and he will make you into a brand new creation. If you already do know Jesus, now is your opportunity to get up and to do something. To say, you know, I'm not content sitting on the sidelines anymore. I'm not content watching everybody else do the work that God has called them to do. I'm ready to get up and I'm ready to do the work that God has called me to do. I'm ready to run my race. I'm ready to do something now. If that's you, again, go to our website, subscribe to that newsletter so that you can get that devotion filled with ideas of how you can use your life right now to impact the world for the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you again for the opportunity that we have right now to gather together online or over podcasts. Lord, we all know that we'd rather be together, but God, we believe that you're gonna use this time for something incredible. So God, would you use this time, would you use this season to prepare us for whatever it is you have for us? God, we fully surrender to you. God, would you use us to change this world? God, would you use us to begin a movement for your name? God, we just wanna see people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. So Father, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. God, thank you for being good. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church Podcast. If you'd like to support Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com slash give. It's because of your faithful and consistent generosity that we're able to continue ministries like this all across the world. If you'd like to learn more about Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com. If you enjoyed today's message, then we'd encourage you to share it with family and friends. Thank you again for joining us and God bless.